You're listening to Advice from Your Advocates, a show where we provide elder law advice to professionals who work with the elderly and their families. Welcome to Advice from Your Advocates. I'm Bob Manner, a certified elder law attorney here in Michigan. And today's podcast is some tips for caregivers dealing with the holidays, especially if they have a loved one or caring for someone with dementia. This can be a very important time of year, but also somewhat difficult in that there might be holiday parties that we're expecting our loved ones to participate in, or there might be people stopping by the house. And this would be a change in the routine. And as you probably know, if for loved ones with dementia, routine is very important. And so I have with me today is our Director of Operations, Kelly King-Penner. She's one of the attorneys here, supervising attorney at Manor Law Group. She's also a certified dementia practitioner and trainer. So Kelly, tell us a little bit about some of the um, ways that we could prepare for holiday parties if we have a loved one with dementia. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, the holidays can be a stressful time for even the best of us. When we have a loved one that's dealing with dementia, we're dealing with some additional complications as part of all of this. And there's some considerations that we have. One thing that I think that we can't skirt around in itself is that the colder temps and being more inside just tends to bring more awareness to infectious diseases, things like COVID-19, as well as influenza A is particularly bad this time of year. So don't be afraid to adjust your holiday plans to account for staying healthy. I think that's definitely something that we all need to be aware of, especially now with advances in technology over the last couple of years. If you have to adjust your expectations to do family visits online, I don't think that that's the worst thing in the world. Also, I think it's important to just highlight what you mentioned earlier. Breaks in routines are very common this time of year, whether or not you're taking your loved one with dementia to someone else's household, or maybe you're changing things up in your house. Breaks from routines can actually cause some um, additional complications or some new behaviors. So those are also things that we need to be aware of um, during this time as well. The other thing to keep in mind is increased household activity. So even if the environment itself isn't changing as far as the physical, having more people stop by or attending more um, people in gatherings can be a stressful situation for those with dementia. So there are some really good tips that we have to kind of recommend how to combat all of that. You know, it's really interesting. So uh, sometimes it's something to think about to maybe even adjust the plan for the holiday uh, get together. So something that we noticed in our family when we had uh, loved ones uh, with dementia that were coming to holiday events is we noticed after a couple of times that when it started to get dark outside and they and that's a trigger. So somebody that doesn't, they're, uh, they have these memory issues, they're not everything is really making sense to them. And now we're taking them out of their environment. When it got dark out, um, that the uh, family member would get ready to leave. That Okay, it's dark. That's a trigger. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be here anymore. What was actually in their house? And so they, you know, they were ready to leave their house. What they really meant is all of you leave now. <laughs> and so uh, we, we changed the tradition a little bit and we started getting together a little bit earlier. So it was still light out, wouldn't have that trigger. But then we actually put a time limit on it because it can be very stressful for not only the person with dementia, but also somebody that is caring for them or their spouse or things like that. So we changed the timing and also we put an end time, which in my family, we never had an end time. It just kind of went on until the last 
person left. And so the idea is that sometimes just thinking about those little things and what might be a trigger uh, to folks and uh, maybe adjusting the party accordingly. So Kelly, talk to us a little bit more about triggers or anything that you can think of that might be helpful for families to think about that might be triggering to somebody with dementia. Yeah, so there's a lot of things that are surprising to people that you might not even consider as triggers just because you may not be living with dementia. But decorations can actually be a big trigger, especially when we're dealing with um, fake food. So fake fruit, fake vegetables, fake candy. It can be hard for a person living with dementia to know that those are fake objects and that those aren't appropriate for consumption. So sometimes that can be a trigger in itself. Speaking of decorations, sometimes blinky lights or holiday music or just increased levels of noise can be a trigger. All of those environmental stimulus can really um, be harsh on a person with dementia to, to try and process it the way that someone who doesn't have dementia, um, it's really complicated because it's it's much worse for them, especially with all the blinky lights or the, the external stimulus for things. Um, it can cause some um, unexpected behaviors as part of that. Uh, colors sometimes can be triggering. This can be um, sometimes specific with individuals. I know that in the past we've had clients that have been triggered by certain colors. If if your loved one does have a trigger for, let's say, red, um, it might be important to discuss with family members or adjust your decor accordingly that maybe a certain color is triggering for whatever reason um, and just make sure that everybody has that kind of understanding. Other things that can be a trigger are unfamiliar people, even if they are familiar people. So a person living with dementia may not recognize Cousin Eddie or Uncle Steve, especially if they haven't seen them on a regular basis. But sometimes even if they have seen them on a regular basis, um, not recognizing people or having unfamiliar people that are in their house that they don't necessarily know who they are, that can all be triggering. So making sure that we have kind of soft, warm introductions um, are important. Facial expressions. Now, the holidays bring out the most stress, I'm sure, in a lot of people, and not all families get along all the time. So making sure that you kind of maintain a soft facial expression, a calm, soothing tone is really important. Families getting together can get quite animated, and that can be quite upsetting to a person living with dementia. I wanted to talk a little bit more about the colors that you had mentioned. This is always found this very fascinating. We had an occupational therapist uh, that focused on dementia uh, speak at one of boot camps several years ago. And she pointed out some things that I thought were fascinating about colors. So often when we're uh, folks that have dementia are usually elderly and sometimes also have some vision issues. Sometimes that's related to the dementia and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just, hey, we're getting older and we got not the best vision anymore. And so the mind's still trying to process everything. And so this occupational therapist pointed out that sometimes colors can be really important to help somebody really sort of uh, uh, understand their environment. So high contrast colors like red, for example, she had mentioned the idea if somebody's not eating, that you serve their meal on a red plate. And for some reason, there was actually research that said they're more likely to eat and understand what's going on if it's a red plate. I don't know if that's because it's a high contrast color, but it kind of goes right into the next one. It said, well, you know, people that are afraid to take a shower, afraid to get into the bathtub, often bathtubs and showers are white. And so with a blurry vision or not, the brain not fully understanding, um, the explanation from this occupational therapist was that stepping into the bathtub almost felt the brain was telling the person they're stepping into an abyss. So they were afraid to step into the bathtub because there was no contrast. 
And the idea that the tip that was given on that was let's put some stickers on the, you know, non-slip stickers on the on the ground and on the walls so that there is there's contrast and the brain can, you know, interpret that appropriately because there was some evidence to suggest that that was the reason why some folks were really hesitant to step into the shower or step into the tub was it they couldn't see the contrast and it felt like they were stepping into a you know an abyss and so uh those, so, such fascinating how the brain can kind of interpret things and it's always still trying to solve the problem even when it doesn't have all of the relevant information like the, the visual simulation and things like that so what are some um, ideas uh, beyond that to help families kind of prepare for a good experience? So especially with um, if you have a loved one with dementia, are there things that you can kind of prepare for? Uh, I mentioned changing the time of the holiday get together. But what are some things that people can, can prepare for to try to make it more likely that we're going to have a good experience? Absolutely. And kind of adjusting your, your traditions are definitely one thing. So adjusting the time, maybe adjusting the location, all of those are little things that you can do. On top of it, and I think this sometimes gets overlooked, is involve the person that is living with dementia and your holiday activities, there are still some tasks that you could have them do that will make them still feel involved in the family gatherings, whether or not it's maybe putting the chocolate chips in the chocolate chip cookies and, and mixing that around or wrapping presents or doing some other kind of task like setting the table, something that's appropriate for that person to be doing where they're still feeling like they're involved in all the family festivities. Um, another thing that I think is really important, and this is something I feel like you should discuss with your other family members as well, is if someone with dementia is misremembering something or is forgetting that someone had passed away or that some kind of other change in circumstances, in, it is really important to try not to correct them and to really try and keep that as a positive interaction. For someone living with dementia, they don't have the ability to remember something that had changed and something that you would take for granted as being able to call, they don't have that ability. So if you correct them, that can be really upsetting and kind of demoralizing for them as well. Um, it's important in those circumstances to try and either ask questions and kind of live in their moment or maybe redirect them to something else if, it, if what they're remembering is quite upsetting. Redirect them into another activity that's not necessarily scolding them or telling them, well, that's not true. Don't you remember that? Those are all really kind of easy things that sometimes we take for granted. Additionally, Live in the moment with them. If they're thinking that they're back to their childhood and talking about uh, a family activity or a memory that they had when they were younger, take this opportunity to kind of live in that moment with them and re reminisce about things that are going on. And that's another thing that I think sometimes people overlook with this rather terrible thing that is happening in their family, that take those little rays of sunshine and kind of live in the moment with them, especially during the holidays, which is usually evoking some kind of memory in the past. So um, I remember when uh, a lot of times during holiday parties, but even just any time, um, my mom would occasionally ask about loved ones that had long since passed. So they, she'd ask about her mother and she would frequently ask about her mother. Where's mom? Where's, where's mom? And where, then where her sister was. And my sisters came up with a, a genius answer for me. Uh, so if she would ask about where, where her mother was. They'd say, well, she's with Aunt Helen. And if you ask where Helen is, she'd say, well, she's with your mom, meaning heaven, right? Because they both passed on. And it was a really nice way of just kind of um, 
smoothing over that, not lying to her about what's going on, but just kind of giving her um, dignity and not making her, you know, re-mourn their deaths. Why do you have to remind somebody that somebody died and having to re-mourn that? So there's just different things you can do. What about, uh, Kelly, ways to diffuse things? So I can uh, remember some examples of where maybe somebody came to the party that hasn't been around a lot lately, maybe doesn't have a lot of experience with um, folks with memory issues or dementia, or maybe they're just new to the party. They're somebody's date or something like that. And they um, they they don't, you know, uh, they're not very polite <laughs> about uh, having to answer the same question over and over again. So how do you maybe diffuse those types of situations? So one simple answer would be to try to remove that distraction or agitation if all possible. I realize that with family situations, sometimes that's not possible. But if that sometimes is your path of least resistance, that's not necessarily a bad answer. Some tips that you can give to people that are interacting with your loved one with dementia, though, are, are really helpful as far as maintaining um, a calm, positive expression in your face to kind of speak slowly and in a positive tone. One thing that I think that gets overlooked with someone with dementia is how long it can sometimes take their brain to process new information to formulate a response. I know some studies have shown that it can actually take up to 90 seconds for someone living with dementia to process what you're saying to them in order to formulate a response. If anyone has ever sat in silence for 90 seconds, that can feel like an eternity. But it's really important to not kind of wear on top of someone that you're talking to and really kind of speak slowly, give them time to respond, give them time to process the information. All of that is really important. Again, as I said before, when it comes to those distractions or those triggering things, it is important not to scold or reprimand your um, your loved one with dementia about things that they might be misremembering. Now, obviously, if their behavior is inappropriate, you, you can address that. But usually the best way to address that is to redirect their, their energy or their focus onto something else without making it a negative interaction. Um, Calming measures can also be helpful. So if there's a particular TV show or, or maybe a song or maybe a particular hard candy or or food or something that is a calming comfort measure for them. Sometimes, you know, those weighted animals or those weighted blankets are becoming very kind of popular things. Applying that calming measure to someone who is getting agitated is really important and to make sure that people understand what those calming measures are. So if, if grandpa is getting a little agitated, maybe put him in front of his favorite TV program for the holidays or something that is a calming thing. Some other things that I think are overlooked would be not crowding or um, appearing physically intimidating. Sometimes they can misread social cues. So if you are trying to get really close to them because you want to make sure that they're able to hear you and it's a loud room or something like that, they might misinterpret your, your physical getting closer to them as a sign of aggression or something um, negative. So it's kind of important to remember how you're you're doing your physical posture um, and kind of take some cues from them. So if they appear to be agitated, maybe back off a little bit, um, speak slowly, maintain that positive facial expression. But signs of um, unintended physical aggression can sometimes cause additional triggers that we can otherwise avoid. That's a really interesting thing. And it's, it's um, often very um we're not even thinking about what we're doing. So I recall very clearly a situation we had with a client where um, there was a husband and wife and we were, um, there was the one spouse that had dementia and the other one that was trying to care for them. And 
So we were talking in our conference room and, and the, uh, the husband had dementia and he would talk very quietly. So I would lean in to try to listen to him. Well, that was a social clue to him. I didn't even recognize that I was doing it. I was leaning in to listen better. He looked at that as a social clue that it's time to stand up. And so he started to stand up every time I'd lean in to listen to him. He thought it was time to go. And, you know, a lot of times we're not thinking about those types of things because we're able to understand the other context of the situation. But those are, you know, simple things that and I, I love your uh, your advice of not overwhelming somebody. Uh, many of you know, I have five children. And so when five children all congregate and want to hug, you know, grandma or grandpa or whatever, all at once, that can be overwhelming for someone that is uh, not really able to quickly understand the context of things. And so what we learned was to um, have it kind of be in shifts where, of course, they wanted to go talk to uh, their their uh, grandpa or grandma but it was important to do it, you know, sort of one at a time. And it didn't take very much at all for them to uh, understand that. And, um, you know, one of my kids is particularly affectionate. And so she got to go first because she would just have been, she would have just been, you know, really angsty until she got a chance to hug grandma. So she got to go first because she was the one that's, you know, the hugger and, uh, but everybody else kind of took their turns and there was a little bit of time in between so that there was a way for uh, to just kind of understand those things. So I think those are all really good tips. Anything else that you can think of, Kelly, just to kind of prepare families for um, if you're the if you're the one that's kind of the caregiver, or you're the one that's going to be the host. Um, how do you prepare uh, things and prepare the family that are might be coming over for making it as the best situation that we can deal with? Yeah, there's definitely some things that you can do as the caregiver, especially if you already know the, the person living with dementia, some of their triggers, and you're going into a new environment, make sure that you educate the host and those around about some things that are important to keep in mind about your loved one uh, with dementia, especially um, it's really important to make sure that we're maintaining safety in all of this. We're especially getting into that time of year where the weather is particularly cold or there's other things that can pose some, some physical safety hazards. So if you're in an area, let's say you're hosting and someone um, living with dementia is coming into your home, it can be important to, to block off those areas of the home that are that are no-gos or areas that you do not want that person to go in. I know one of the or one of the suggestions that sometimes we uh, we get from facilities is they'll put a sign that says employees only on there and that registers somebody with dementia and that may not work perfectly in this house um, whole setting but there could be things that you do to kind of obstruct um, or hide that area that you don't want them to go into the same thing with educating people on what objects are no-goes sometimes people just have certain triggering effects to, to objects or situations making sure you're educating the host or those that are interacting that they understand. Kind of picking up on those triggers, I think, are important as well, because I, I think a lot of people just aren't aware of what could potentially be a trigger. Now, you as a caregiver, you're living this every day. People that are interacting with your loved one probably aren't. So you are the expert in the situation of what triggers they potentially have. Um, I feel like I don't need to reiterate this again, but I always feel that it's important to make adjustments if there is a um, infectious disease issue or something where people in the family are getting repeatedly sick, keeping those people who are already vulnerable to those types of infections kind of out of that situation or, or adjusting your expectations, I think is a relevant thing 
that we continue to update it. I know in my household or in my family in particular, uh, the flu runs rampant and I have a nephew with special needs that sometimes he can get quite sick. So if there's someone in the household that has that, we make adjustments to make sure that that individual is protected. And this is no different from that circumstance. We really need to kind of adjust our expectations to keep everybody safe and healthy. Um, additionally, and this is something I think most people don't think about, uh, about coming to the holidays and you as the caregiver, I know that this can be challenging, but if somebody asks you for something that they can give you or your loved one with dementia during the holidays, don't hesitate to ask for things that make your life easier, like gift certificates to a restaurant um, or maybe some takeout. Having somebody come over for a cleaning service, offering to sit with the person with dementia and visit with them for a period of time so you as the caregiver can get out of the house and make sure that you're being taken care of. All of those things, especially as the holiday kind of triggers that giving mood, don't hesitate to ask for things that you or your loved one actually truly need. People want to help. They just don't always know how to help sometimes. So you truly being honest um, can be very helpful for both of you. That's really great advice, Kelly. You know, I know that... When we have loved ones with dementia, it can get very frustrating. And so, um, and then especially if there's there's a family or, or friends or others that are coming by that don't actually interact a lot, it can, it can be frustrating. And sometimes um, there's uh, underlying um, issues, there's sibling rivalries, uh, the mom always liked you best kind of a scenario. And so it's just um, really important to try to make sure that um, our loved ones with, uh, with dementia are treated with dignity and respect, um, that they're um, not, you know, that the, the, their limitations are not um, pointed out to them or, or really put in their face and that there's just a lot of, um, um, you know, accommodation or, or, or dignity in the interaction with them. And so, Kelly, I really appreciate uh, you coming on today. And I think these were great tips. Uh, I want to remind everybody that we uh, do have our elder law and advocacy boot camp that is available for other uh, long-term care professionals, so particularly social workers, uh, nursing home administrators, case managers. They will all be, uh, we've applied for five continuing education credits. So this is not a, a boot camp that's generally open to the general public. It's for those that are in the industry of long-term care. That is coming up on April 9th. Uh, I'm sorry, April 21st, Friday, April 21st. And uh, we're going to have five continuing education credits. So you're, the, the website is up and you can sign up for that. And, and we look forward to seeing you next year. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To learn more, visit mannerlawgroup.com.